Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. To get the Crime Writers on After Show right now, go to patreon.com slash partners in crime media. I'm Rebecca Lavoie, and this is Crime Writers On. Crime Writers On is the original true crime review podcast that digs into true crime, pop culture, other podcasts. And on this episode, she seemed like the perfect wife and homemaker. That is, until she killed her friend Betty Gore with an axe. We'll discuss the Hulu series Candy, starring Jessica Biel. Joining me to get that done and more is true crime author, TV journalist, and host of These Are Their Stories podcast, my husband and love of my life, Kevin Flynn. Hello, Kevin. Hello, Rebecca. Also Perfect homemaker yourself. Oh, thank you, Kevin. Thank you. My, my watch stopped when I went to Target and I had to come home because I didn't you realize. didn't even go in. Didn't even realize what time it was. My watch stopped when I got there and I did not even go in. You, would you never didn't go- even buy anything. Yeah. Nope. You would never go into Target wearing uh, shower flip-flops or whatever those were. All I have to say is this. My watch could stop when I got to Target. I would still go in and spend $200 on nothing. <laughs> in that's, $1980. That's no excuse to not go in and spend $200 oh, on nothing. Geez. Also with us is private investigator, certified pet detective, resident cat lady, and author of Dead on Deadline, my friend, Laura Bricker. Hello, Laura. Hello, Rebecca. And Rocky Flintstone is joining us tonight. Come say hello, Rocky. He is feeling neglected, so he is joining Crime Writers on this evening. Hello, Rocky. You hello, look Rocky. Very um, cat-like. Also with <laughs> us is our captain of all things cynical, author of the City Trilogy, host of Strange Arrivals, and our Patreon Deep Dive Book Club podcast host, Toby Ball. Hello, Toby. Howdy, y'all. Toby, <laughs> you look like you're joining us from somewhere very woody and very um, New Hampshire. Rustic, yeah. Rustic. You look very atmospheric in a brown shirt surrounded by brown stuff. Are you joining us from your vacation home? Is that what's going on? Or the set of candy. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're at the uh, vacation home. It just got opened up last weekend, mm-hmm. and it's supposed to be a really nice weekend this weekend. So we're doing it from the remote location. It's the great. island studio. It's great, except the fact that you have relatives that you have to share that family vacation and, compound and terrible with. Terrible right? internet, which sometimes yeah. means he's going to like just like not be around. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see how it goes. It'll all be fine. Um, so the suspense yeah, we'll is see. killing me. Yeah, it's it's really. With, hey, is, look, ducks. <laughs> <laughs> They're ducks. Ducks swimming by. Sorry. It's really, it's really an incredible time um, for those of you who do not live in New England and mm-hmm. the Greater New Hampshire region. Uh, like four days ago, it was forty degrees, and today it was eighty-five degrees. Yeah, that's just how yeah. it is here around these yeah. parts. I had dinner outside tonight. One of the patios in town opened early, which was super exciting. Yes, and literally. 
four days ago, we were at your daughter's college graduation wearing parkas. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And tomorrow we will be again. Yeah, because that's just how it is here. And mm-hmm. um, it's fine. It's all fine. That's just how we live. I bought a bunch of flowers. They all died. I had to go buy a bunch more flowers. I told you to not buy flowers hey, in I April. Was, I was cheerful for the couple weeks that they were alive. Then they it's died. Okay, and Rebecca. I just bought some more. It's fine. It all worked out. I've already out. killed the plant that somebody gave me from my office. So I feel your pain. Exactly. All right. So, Kevin, this is a Monday's podcast episode. We have another mm-hmm. one coming out on Thursday. What is coming up on Thursday's show? We're going to be talking about Dead End. A New Jersey political murder mystery. It's oh. from WNYC Studios. Yes, I cannot wait to talk about that one. But uh, before we get to that, I think we should talk about what we're talking about this time. So let's just get right into it, shall we? Super transition, Rebecca. I'm going to go ahead and drop that first Grade click. A. Thanks, thanks. I learned from the best, and the best was you. I just figured you had your hands full with that darling baby and that you wouldn't mind. The thing is, I'm just going to have to swing by and pick up Christina's bathing suit for the swim lesson. So is there a time that's good for you? Candy Montgomery seems to have it all. A loving husband, adorable kids, giant glasses, and friends from church <laughs> like Betty Gore. But to fight the mundanity of suburban life, Candy initiates an affair with Betty's husband, Alan. If either of us start to develop feelings for the other, it's over. But I'm right then and there. I mean, that, that's how you get caught. Oh, and never call the house. Not even if you know that Pat is not going to be home. Becky and Jason are smarter than you think. You don't have to go by the deli. After the affair runs its course, Betty and Alan are closer than ever. But while away on a business trip, Alan becomes concerned when his wife won't answer the home telephone. Now, the lights are on, but it doesn't seem like anyone's home. I need you to get into that house, Richard. I don't care how you do it. Uh, okay. Yeah, um... You know, I might still have my, uh, realtor's key. Break a goddamn window if you have to. Just get into that house. The five-night Hulu event, Candy, stars Jessica Biel, Melanie Linsky, Pablo Schreiber, and Raul Esparza. Based on the 1980 crime, the series asks why would Candy kill Betty with 41 blows from a three-foot axe? Was it the affair, or did she just snap? Spoiler alert, we are going to be talking about significant plot points from Candy. So if you want to remain spoiler free, go to the estimated time code in our show notes to hear our thumbs up or thumbs down reviews. So I want to talk about the formatics of this first, even though that's not the most important thing. The decision that Hulu made here to instead of releasing this weekly, like, you know, Monday, 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 to do a five night Mm -hmm. event series kind of an anachronistic like way of dropping something. Laura Ricker, what did you think of this choice that Hulu made to put out this series in this way? Well, I thought it was interesting. We talked about it during our last taping because we reminisced about sort of the nostalgia of the 80s when there were these miniseries that would drop over a week like this. Mm-hmm. And there was like all this excitement. And in anticipation of watching Candy, I rewatched the Thornbirds. Mm. Um, Those two things have nothing to do with each other. Well, I'm going to tell you because the reason I watched it was because I remember the excitement. It was going to be like a five-day event on ABC or whatever. And Uh it was like dropped every day. I guess, honestly, I didn't feel like that same level of excitement and suspense that I felt over other miniseries. And I thought it was interesting, though, because they were doing sort of a nod to that time period when that was like sort of like a big event before we had Netflix, before we could binge everything in one day, where 
I was trying to figure out like what made this different than those shows that we did tune in for during like the 80s decade when people were, oh, we've got to stay in this because the part two is on tonight or whatever. And I think those were like sort of, I'll call them like epic sagas that spanned like generations. And this was just, we already knew what was going to happen. Like we knew that, okay, this is a murder. And we know it wasn't that same sort of ongoing, like generational sort of saga that seemed to me to generate that same sort of buzz. But I did think it was interesting because, I mean, it was clever to try to hearken back to the same time period that this murder case happened. And that was what people were doing that period. But I didn't feel the same level of hype that I might've felt with a different story. And I don't know if anyone else felt that way, but that's sort of how I came into it. So Kevin, it's sort of a hybrid between an episodic series and a binge, right? Yeah, because Hulu has been loath to do the the binge release, unlike Netflix. They still have kind of stuck with a broadcast mentality of once a week to kind of slowly build the audience, you know, like they do with, um, with Handmaid's Tale. So, you know, this is sort of a, I don't want to say a happy medium, but you know, one of the things we do like about the binge is that our enthusiasm can, you know, be pumped up day by day or, you know, episode to episode as opposed to being spread out over 12 weeks or whatever. So while I don't know if Hulu is going to at any point drop an entire series all at once like they do on Netflix, and I'm trying to, and I can't recall what they do over in Peacock, but this was good enough where they started on Monday, they finished on Friday and we're, you know, it's Monday morning and we're able to talk about the whole thing. Yeah. All right. So we can't talk about this series without talking about what I think is a tour de force performance by Jessica Beale as Candy. Toby, you sent me a note about Jessica Beale's performance here, which I mean, it's both big and subtle at the same time. She plays a very, very larger than life character, but has so many tiny, tiny moments where the acting is done through glances and glimpses and gestures. I just think her performance here is unbelievably good. What do you think about Jessica Biel's performance here? Because I I know that you made a note of it too. What did you like about it? She just inhabited that character for me. It just seemed, I don't know, like more so than most things I've watched. She just seemed to be that person. Betty and I got to talking, and then I went down to the Target in Plano, like I said. And you will not believe when I got there, I realized my watch had stopped, and then I felt like I'd been gone too long. So I didn't even go in. I just came right back here, and now I guess I'm just going to have to make it up to him. <laughs> like you were saying, all these little subtle things where she is sort of this kind of alpha social person where she expects to lead conversations and be like the most vivacious person in the room or whatever. But then she's also able to sort of convey the insecurities she has, like when she feels threatened by things, her dissatisfaction with her marriage, her dissatisfaction with the man she has an affair with. She just manages to do all this stuff. And you're never, at least for me, I mean, maybe other people, but I, I never was like, oh, she's acting, you know? Oh, here, here comes some acting. Like she just seemed to be doing stuff just completely in this character. You know, I guess I've seen her in other things. I I just I've never really thought about her as being like an A-list actor, but she was incredible. Like, I I can't imagine that she's not going to be in the awards conversation when the year's over. I completely agree. I mean, I just found like Kevin, like the subtlety, just the bodily embodiment of the character 
there were so many moments where she would say something and then the eyes would move like so rapidly. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole thing, even those small moments were like, I have the best party house. Like this sort of like um, reflexive nature of the, like as Toby said, sort of the alpha woman in the social circle, which is such, I want to talk with Laura about this in a second, because this is something that we're very familiar with as women in, in parts of social circles. But like what Toby's talking about, like this award-winning inevitably performance by Jessica Biel. Have you ever thought of her as this caliber of actress before? Would it be horrible if I said I haven't? No, it wouldn't be horrible. No, I mean, she really, you know, rose to the occasion here. Yeah, often she is overshadowed on the stage by her husband, Justin Timberlake, and we'll probably get to him later on. But this is, I think, what some would call a brave performance. If you're going to perm your hair and make yourself look unglamorous and very of the mid-1970s, late-1970s, then, you know, not everybody's willing to go there, you know, in this image-conscious world. So I think that she, you know, really, she did a great job. I think the rest of the cast also uh, did wonderfully. If I go to point to somebody, I'd point to Melanie Linsky, who we loved in, in Yellow Jackets, always does a great job. I liked her performance, but if I have a critique, maybe this is with the writing, it was with how they decided to depict Betty as a kind of a sad sack. Oh, and, I don't critique that. You know, kind of clingy, uh, somebody that nobody would miss, you know? You don't know what it's like. I'm not the bad guy, Alan. Who's here to help me? You're not here half the time. Our friends? Oh. Yeah, but why do you critique that? That's actually part of the story. Well, they didn't go to the extreme where she lit up a room, right? But it just seemed like a little bit for the person who was murdered that it seemed slightly to be unflattering in that way. Right. Yes. So what do you what do you get with the philosophy to write her that way? Honestly, I think that like what I was thinking as I was watching this are the strongest parts of this to me are the way in the first few episodes that they depict Betty's character with Melanie Linsky and Candy's character with Jessica Biel, because both of them really in those initial episodes capture how trapped they both feel by their suburban lives and the stress of being a stay at home mom. And they do almost make Melanie Lindsay's character into almost like a caricature of like the completely depressed stay at home mom who is just weak and sad and she doesn't have very many friends and the other mothers don't really want to hang around her because she's like, hey guys, let's start a choir with our kids. And they're all like, yeah, <laughs> we're talking about like general hospital or something. We don't want to talk to you. But it's like, those initial scenes with how they portrayed those women, it's like one can't masturbate in peace and the other one hides in a room with her door closed because the baby's crying all the time. And also I, makes I guess it hard just, to masturbate. Apparently so. I mean, I was like, oh, poor Jessica Biel. She's reading a little book and she's like, ah, ah, just kidding. Ah, ah, just kidding. It's like um, when she was in Limetown, she was diddling her skittle a lot too in that one. But. Yeah, diddling her skittle. Um, you know, I think that, for me, it worked because I just think like the whole character that Melanie Linsky was portraying, like this sort of like Eeyore stay at home mom, super depressed lady who has these like bangs and this like hairdo and this like frumpiness and this like insecurity and like the husband can't leave for work. I mean, it sets it up for me in a way that 
I can understand the desperation of both of their situations going into what is going to happen in this case. I completely agree. And I think it makes it so refreshing and different that we do not have two completely sympathetic or we don't have a completely sympathetic and a completely evil person here. I think it makes it so much more fucking interesting that Mm -hmm. we have Melanie Linsky playing a character that is complicated because ultimately, right? Spoiler alert, Candy fucking gets away with it, right? And the fact that Melanie Linsky isn't completely likable is part of the reason why she fucking gets away with it. So if we had her portrayed as being somebody who everybody loved and is completely sympathetic and the audience is like, oh, God, like it would be a very different kind of story. And I I just think that it made so much sense narratively to have this character be difficult, to have this character be on this journey. Ultimately, though, Melanie Linsky's character does make this turn where she is actually trying to dig her way out of this hopeless situation by going to of all the most 70s situation in the world, marriage encounter, mm-hmm. which is something I think we also saw in the Americans, right? Or S or whatever. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just, I loved that, that it was, it was for once portraying women in a story like this, not as these two dimensional, like good or evil people, but women are much more fucking complicated than that in real life. And it's very feminist and real to portray them that way. Yeah, I agree with all that. And I, and I think it sets up like the big moment for me, at least in the series is when they're having the baby shower that Candy is hosting. And then Betty starts talking about how much better her marriage is now. What about a little thing called privacy? Because honestly, the last thing I really want is to have Pat Montgomery knowing everything I do and think. Every second of the day. Well, that may work for you, but once Alan and I got rid of all our secrets, our marriage has never been better. And you can just see, like, Candy's sort of conception of the way they relate to each other just shifts all of a sudden because she's always assumed she's in a superior position and she's also, like, sleeping with her husband. But then suddenly it's like, oh, no, wait, she's happy. You know, she she's wow. making strides. She was in like the cult, Toby. She was in the weird cult at that point. <laughs> right. You can but be then, happy but, in a cult. You know, Candy, Come on. With the, the like, we're in the thing and we give each other the secret signals. <laughs> yeah. No, it's totally weird. But it's like her situation's improving and Candy's still like going to these bars and dancing around provocatively and asking guys to dance with her and being blown off. To me, that was like the that was like sort of the critical scene. And then that sort of eventually plays out with the murder. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney Bundle with new movies and series. 
On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. So I know something else that's just as sweet as candy. Oh. Talking business in the business section. What is in the business section today, Kevin? Well, right now on the Crime Writers on After Show, which you can get exclusively on Patreon, we are going to be talking about some podcast news. Podcast tea? Podcast tea, our old friend, and actually we mean this, our friend, Payne Lindsay. Meaning my friend. Your friend, yes. My wannabe friend. You you buried that hatchet deeper than Candy did into Betty's skull. Yes. <laughs> and uh, by the way, these were real people, so maybe we shouldn't joke about that. What, too soon? <laughs> but yes. Uh, so as you know, the Ryan Duke trial is underway, and that is the, uh, the guy who is accused of killing... Tara Tara, Grinstead. Tara Grinstead, who is the subject of Up and Vanished. Now, Payne was subpoenaed by the prosecution. Yes. Which, two for one, they want him to testify in the trial to some facts. Allegedly. Allegedly. Testify. Second was, they tried to put an injunction on him, preventing him from reporting... On the case. Preventing him from listening to or watching any media. Yes, exactly. Sort of sequestering him. Yeah, sequestering but, him. But, but um, you know, preventing him from doing his job as a uh, as a journalist. So we're going to talk about all of that and what we think about that. Yes, it's going to be very interesting and to see what happened in that uh, instance. It has been resolved. It has been resolved. I love your opinions about that, Kevin. I'd love to hear your opinions. Oh, oh I, I loved my media law class so when you I have, took that. I know you yeah. have opinions about that. I got opinions. I'm going to tell everybody about Near versus Minnesota. Okay. It's, what else? It's a landmark. What else have you got going on in the uh, old Patreon there, Kevin? We have Married with Podcast in our latest edition. Rebecca and I tried to give advice to someone whose husband of 27 years has now become a fundamentalist Christian and his extreme views are putting a cramp in that relationship. Yes. And it's not about religion, except that it is. It's about growing apart. It's about... Can you say, this is not the man I married? Yeah, you can say... You can say that, right? This is not the man she married. Correct. That's what this week's Married With podcast is about. And if you sign up, uh, for our Patreon at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. You Thank can get you. all of that, including Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club, Laura Bricker's Leave It to Bricker, and about 275 exclusive podcast episodes that you're only going to hear there. Wow. Does that sound the business section? Is that and, it? Yeah. And thus ends the business section. Where we tell people to sign up for our Patreon, that's it. Sign up for our Patreon. Thus ends the business okay, section. Okay, fine. So, Kevin, every affair should begin with a uh, list of pros and cons on a whiteboard. Yes or no? Oh, yeah. (laughs) We should have clear boundaries on this side. And there was some great thing. Like, what did they have listed? It was, you know, it was like. Let's talk logistics. And if we were to move forward. All right. So we're going to do it every other week on a Tuesday or Thursday because Jason's in preschool those days. And three out of four will be plenty enough to cover errands. Might even improve things with your spouse and the excitement and 
cons. We might have feelings. How about venereal disease or something? <laughs> Getting caught <laughs> was one of them. Uh, that's that's funny. I mean, boy, why don't, what is, I don't know what that says about Candy's character. I don't actually believe it played out that way. I think that was very well, much I like Well, I imagine a, not a lot of it played out that way. Right. But I, and I actually love that. I love how much of this was through the lens of like the fantasy of like this is how she would have wanted people to think it was. I mean, that was my interpretation. I don't know about you guys. My interpretation of this is like Candy's world of how the affair happened, how it played out, how it allegedly ended was like how we are supposed to believe she would have wanted us to think Mm -hmm. it happened, like that the affair was some sort of agency choice that she made after making this list, you know, that it was very clinical, that she was like, darn it, I'm starting to have feelings for you. So we're just going to go ahead and end it right now. Like, yeah, well, you know, it kind of reminded me of like her multitasking life. I mean, like she was like the overachieving like mom who's like, and now I'm doing this and now I'm doing that. And oh, I'm going to stop and have my fair in the afternoon. And then I've got to go to the swimming <laughs> practice and give some peppermints. And I'm going to make a tuna noodle casserole. She was like the, in her way that she was protecting herself, like she was just always busy. Like she was like overly busy all the time in terms of, you know, you know, like she was just like that mom that, you know, you're like, holy shit, how does that lady do so much? And the affair was just built into the schedule. Mm. I don't know about you guys, but like the husbands to me just sort of like blended together. Mm. I'm like, neither of them to me really had much of a personality. And so every time I'm like, which husband is this? I, I don't even know. Cause I was like, they're both so boring. Yeah. That was kind of the point. Tell they're, me they're, they're both so boring. And I texted Rebecca this week and I was like, so apparently they just don't believe in foreplay in the show because <laughs> at one point when they finally have sex, Candy and her husband, she's like laying in bed and he just like taps her shoulder and then it just like roll over and start having sex. I'm like, um, no wonder she was looking for an affair. Just saying. <laughs> and then when she has the affair, it's literally just like sitting on the bathroom vanity and they're suddenly yeah, having they're sex. Like, uh, 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 uh. I'm like, that's it? Who uh, picked a picnic? Did you feel this way? I mean, the guy had a lot of pajamas he had to get out of yeah. before anything was going to happen. A lot of buttons. <laughs> Push yeah. the slippers Push aside. Something. Yeah, exactly. Toby sent me a note also about the husbands uh, and their role sort of in the story. What did you think about them, Toby? Well, I, I just they don't have any agency. Like they just seem like pawns, you know, they, I guess they have work or whatever. They play with their kids in a certain way, but for the most part, the decisions in their lives are made by the women. And to the point where when they're at the uh, baby shower and they're out in the backyard, they don't, they can't even talk to each other. Right. They, they barely say anything. And that's why I thought it was kind of interesting a minute ago when Rebecca mentioned that, you know, maybe this whole thing is sort of from Candy's viewpoint and if that's really sort of the, the case, is it that she, you know, she doesn't really see them as being fleshed out. You know, it's, you know, her husband's this guy who wears these crazy one piece velour outfits who is like really funny with the kids and kind of does like these things, but is basically sort of shut off. I, I don't know. That whole bit was interesting. And it's like kind of the reverse of the Bechdel test, where if there are two women speak, is it not about a man, and then you pass the test. And in this, it just seemed like the guys in the families, they just really, like you were saying, Laura, I mean, there's not a whole lot to them. They're basically things that they're that are either satisfying or not satisfying the two main women in the story. Yeah, they're not A-list husbands, unlike Jessica Biel and uh, Melanie Linsky's actual husbands who show up in this, Justin Timberlake and Jason Ritter, 
that's a great wink. They're both the cops, you know, investigating uh, their wife's murder and uh, homicide. But I was thinking about what you guys were saying about I we're seeing this kind of from almost exclusively from sort of how Candy would would paint the picture. I think a lot of that probably has to do with what happened at the trial. Yeah. She was found not guilty. And so in a legal sense, there are only certain things that you can do dramatically that don't put you in legal jeopardy. And I wasn't happy at first with the way that they portrayed the the fight scene, which, you know, that dramatically you have to have and demonstrate, you know, what happened? Because that's what the whole thing is building to. We understand 100% that it's Candy putting the best spin on it and telling her story, which may be full of shit, but it's all we get. And I'm kind of a little bit aback, like, well, come on, you got to challenge this a little bit, right? They do sort of in, in this earlier walk through the crime scene with the cops, but why are you not? Why are you just like accepting everything that she said? Did you, though? Well, here's the two things. One, I thought it was weak tea, but now I understand why the only pushback is that ghost Betty, who is standing over the crime scene, just says, That's your story. That's your story. Yeah. That's, and then we never hear the other story. Well, right. Because I, I don't think we, and this is why, why can why do we not? And I realized later. We can't know. It's because she's not, she wasn't convicted of doing the crime. Right. So we can't portray, you can't put a, a, an actual Candy Montgomery on the screen committing homicide as opposed to telling her self-defense story. Right. But can I tell you something that I like a lot about this? Yeah. I watched Candy tell her story at the trial and I watched this absurd reenactment of this fight scene, which was, by the way, one of the most violent. By design, I think. Yeah, a little it was one absurd of the most violent yeah. fucking things I've seen. I, I, I have to say, it's the first thing I haven't actually watched since we've been doing this podcast. It was very Kill Bill. It was really, but I actually liked it. I did count 41 I, wax. Yeah, it was yeah. Very, and very I turned Kill away. Bill. Yeah, I but turned away. When I watched it, I didn't need to see some sort of rebuttal scene to know, like, this sounds, this is a lot of fucking bullshit right here. And I liked that. It was a good storytelling decision because showing me that was enough for me as an audience member to be like, okay, well, she gave this incredible performance in the courtroom, right? And Jessica mm -hmm. Beale did a great job acting her incredible performance in the courtroom. So we saw what the jury heard her say. But then we saw the visuals of what she was describing literally, and it was what she was describing literally was fucking absurd. It's a tiny bit the thing about Pam. It is right. Honestly, just like just use was, her words and dramatize right. her story and so, smell the bullshit. So, but imagine she's saying that to the jury. The jury buys it because she's so good. Mm -hmm. But when you see it, it's fucking absurd. And I actually thought that was really, really good storytelling. Okay. I really did. And I am like not a person who loves these sort of like very violent, over the top, like true crime reenactment kind of things. I, I thought it was very creative and well done. And the only thing they have Melanie Linsky saying in the ghost is like, but you left my crying baby. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's like, fuck yeah. And it's like that, but that was like the Greek, Greek chorus to the audience. Like, remember that one thing that maybe that they didn't show, like, like mm -hmm. underlining it. I don't know. I, I thought it was effective storytelling and, and good. Toby, what did you think about sort of just like them leaving that horribly graphic murder scene as the story that we got to see and like letting it lie? 
Yeah, I mean, I th- just listening to you talk about it, I guess, I guess the idea is this is what people agreed was what probably happened. And then you kind of see it and you're like, uh, Fuck. really? Like, this is what they, you know, at the end of the whole thing, I was like, are we supposed to like be happy that she got off? Yeah. Or are we supposed to be appalled that it was not guilty? Like I wasn't, and you don't have to, like, they don't have to telegraph how you feel. And I think it might be effective. You know, it might show that it's good storytelling that you're kind of conflicted. Cause again, she's this very kind of vivacious character. And I, I think she, I'm not sure I'd want to hang out with her, but watching her <laughs> for five hours on TV made for, you know, sort of compelling watching. But yeah, you're asked to kind of swallow this slightly absurd story, partly, which is like the whole thing where Melanie Linsky would approach her with an ax, just like holding it out in front of her. And then they'd both be grabbing the ax, but not really struggling. But it was like, you know, that thing you do with a bat to see who gets to the top. And, then, you know, it's just so weird uh, that you're being asked to. But then I didn't, you know, I, I didn't really have an alternate theory of the crime, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, the only other thing I could think of was like they had the same conversation instead of Betty getting the ax. Like Candy just like got the axe right at the beginning and just went after her. But how would she know the axe was there? I, I basically thought they made a lot of really smart decisions in in this series and interesting decisions. And the fact that at the end, the resolution is sort of bizarre and unbelievable. And you're maybe conflicted about how you feel about Candy getting off. You know, I to me that... I would assume that's what they were after. And if so, I mean, I think that that's really good. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, I guess I I came away from it. Number one, feeling like apparently if you wanted to get action at this time, you should join the volleyball. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That that sounds like the biggest euphemism. I'm off to play volleyball. Yes. It's like, yeah. Go spike it. Volleyball. Um, (laughs) But like what Toby was saying, I honestly, when I, came to the conclusion of this, I felt like, okay, I learned about this case, but I still don't really feel like I have a really strong feeling or a theory about what really happened in this case. Hmm. I do. And that was sort of, you do? Yeah. Well, I, I don't. I, I don't. I feel like I came away from thing like, okay. Also, can you believe it took four years for Candy and freaking Pat to divorce after this yes, nonsense? Yes, I can <laughs> believe Like, what the fuck? Because Pat was a milk-toasty piece of shit, and he believed his wife because she was a good liar. Because you know after that, she was like, come on, though, babe. And he was like, all right. They were staying together <sighs> for the kids. What <laughs> more Star Wars movie we've got to get through, and then... <laughs> can I talk about one production thing sure. that I thought was really good? First of all, they do a great job sort of capturing the aesthetic of the 1970s, the late 70s, certainly when oh, you look yeah. at the perm and the big glasses on uh, candy, house. the party house, everybody's got like that uh, that multicolored Tupperware that was very popular when we were really when we were kids. Hey, uh, I still have that. Yes, right. But they do a lot of great things with color on the screen. Most of this, you know, the, what lends to the 1970s feel of it is that a lot of this is browns and yellows for the clothing and a lot of wood paneling and that sort of lends to this yellow tinge to the the, the the picture. Yellow is a color that often represents disease and putridity and death. A candy though, when she is being her best candy, she's in red. 
She's wearing red, or there is red light bathing in from the window at night or something like that. Or like when she's having her psychic regression, yeah. not psychic. Um, I'm sorry, what her was hypnosis that? hypnosis. Yeah. When she was having her hypnosis right. session. When and she's, she's 100% like, candy, there's red. Now, at the very end, she's in blue. And blue being the color of water and baptism and rebirth, maybe that's what that is. But I think it was very deliberate, and I really enjoyed those production elements to this story. I enjoyed the elements of competitive momness to the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a thing that I wanted to just mention with Lara briefly because we all know mm-hmm. the realness of that. And I think it was very much heightened in the era in which we saw it, uh, you know, in 1980 in the small town, all the stay at home moms. But just the one upsmanship of the stay at home mom culture is fucking real. And I just found that to be so viscerally painful to watch. And I really felt for Betty Gore being bad at it as somebody who was bad at the one upsman uh, stay at home mom culture. And I always felt like you go for it, ladies. Cause I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing. And I'm so like not good at this and the scenes with the foster kid in particular and just not being good at it and not being good at bringing the right snacks and not being good at getting all the errands done in the in, in, in the day. Making her own clothes for vacation. Yes. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about, right, Laura Bricker? Mm-hmm. Oh, no, absolutely. Like when I was, you know, young, partially freelance working from home mother when Will was a baby, I remember being in the middle of all this and it was like, I used to call like those people that were the super uber successful people. I used to call them the lattes and Pilates moms because <laughs> they were like, oh, we're going to a Pilates class. We're getting a latte. And they were all like skinny and they'd already gotten their like pre-baby bodies back. And they always like seemed fine. And but they were always doing something. And and there is definitely you did feel it because you felt like there was that one scene where they're out in front of the school and Candy's just like cool mom. Yep. Even though the perm, the bad perm wig is just atrocious, but <laughs> she's still cool mom. And she's out there and they're all talking about something. And then like poor Betty comes along and is like, hey, guys, let's start the choir at the school. And they're like, yeah, whatever. Fuck you, Betty. Yep. Um, but you could feel it. And and I was like, I have been in those situations and, and it is hard. And it is hard when you are that mom that is not part of the clique. And that was very obvious in the show. And I think you definitely did come away from this feeling like Candy was that mom in that group. Like she said, the party house, but she also projected that image in a way that may or may not have been accurate with all of the like overly obsessive, busy things she was doing all the time. That's right. I mean, it was, it was insane. She was like, I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Oh yeah. Blah, 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 blah. And we're like, um, yeah. Okay. Calm the fuck down there. Um, but she also felt trapped, right? Cause we saw her going to the club but at she, night. She did feel trapped yep. because it's like, you feel like you have to keep up with the others who are doing that because they're making it look so easy. And I felt like when I was talking before about how both of these women sort of fulfill that role of feeling trapped in their own identities as stay-at-home moms, I think with Candy's personality, it was more that like one-upsmanship that you were talking about, Rebecca, and that competitive sort of hierarchy of that stay-at-home mom culture in a different time period than what we experienced. But still, you can see it in action there. Like who's who's making the jello squares that they're going to like be like, or like, I remember, do you remember like- the Ambrosia. People, oh my God. I remember like one of the moms that was like super organized when I was a kid made like, and I still, I've never made this. She did this thing with like, 
ice cream cones where she put cake in them and like baked them. And like, there was like these like ice cream cone cake things. And everyone's like, oh my God, that mom is so, and she put sprinkles on them. Oh my God. Like it was like a big thing. And I could see Candy doing that. And then cutting you to death with an ax. Yeah, I don't, yeah. Mm -hmm. BP added more than $70 billion to the US economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney Bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone, in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. All right. Well, I think we should do what we do. Let's let our listeners know, should they check out Candy? It is a five-part series starring Jessica Biel on Hulu about the real-life murder case involving Betty Gore. Laura Bricker, what do you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down for Candy on Hulu? So I'm a mild thumbs up on this. I didn't love it as much as I had hoped to love it. Um, I think because I was building it up in my head to be like, uh, because it was released over five days, like a mini series of the 80s when this took place, that same sort of anticipation and suspense and excitement that we felt when we had those sort of mini series that came out during that era that we would wait up every night to watch when they came on at nine o'clock, like North and South Patrick Swayze. Oh, my goodness. Remember how exciting that felt to watch something like that. But it was an interesting case. Jessica Biel and Melanie Linsky, I think, are the high points of this. Both of them just did a tremendous job. And, you know, it, it was interesting. It definitely captured that feeling of the 70s. And, you know, I don't necessarily need to relive the murder scene that I saw in this again, but I understand why they made that decision. I'm also interested to see, apparently HBO is doing a, another version of this case Mm -hmm. later this year. And I'll be curious to see how they adapt the story in their version. Toya Ball, what do you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down for Candy on Hulu? Yeah, I don't envy the person who plays Candy in the HBO version because I, I thought Jessica Biel was incredible in this. I, I really liked this. I thought they did a really good job of showing you a social scene, you know, in Wiley, Texas in 1980 and these church going folks and, you know, mostly focusing on the wives and, and sort of the challenges they're facing and, and, and feeling trapped and all this. I, I just thought it was really well done. I thought they made a lot of interesting choices that worked out well. Uh, so I, I give it a I, I'm a pretty strong thumbs up for this. I, I really liked it. Kevin Flynn. Yeah, I looked it up. It's Elizabeth Olsen 
Who's going to be playing Candy in the oh, HBO? Oh boy, it's going to be a head head to head. Yeah, yeah it's going to be awesome. great. Look, I'm thumbs up for this. Uh, I did enjoy the way they put this together. Like I said, I wasn't thrilled with what they did with Betty's character. It made her seem a little unsympathetic, and that's not everything you want for a you know a victim. However, the performances by the whole cast were really great, and I was surprised at the end with how it turned out. So, thumbs up for me. Yeah, big thumbs up for me for this. I loved the way they portrayed uh, Betty Gore's character in this. Melanie Linsky's performance was fantastic. I think it's uh, complex and very feminist and cool to not make victims perfect and to not make killers all evil. Uh, I just think the performance in this are fantastic. I think the writing is super duper smart. And for a true crime story to be fictionalized in such a creative and smart and compelling way, it is rare and it is cool. And I really recommend that everybody watch this. Just know that there is a kind of brutal um, recreation of a crime scene in this that may not be for everyone it's really over the top and it's like you, you mean know you see all 41 wax listen it's Lizzie like Borden. it's like kill bill style violence it's stylized it's not you know it is graphic though just to be warned to be fairly warned anyway huge thumbs up for me for candy on hulu i liked it way more than i thought i was gonna like it now it's time for my favorite part of the podcast, a little something I like to call the crime. Crime of the week. Yes, that Kevin, the crime of the week. Some people are born to rock. Others are born at a rock concert. At 39 weeks pregnant and ready to see her favorite band, Joyce Figueroa went to a Metallica concert in Brazil last week. Near the end of the show, she went into labor. EMTs tried to get her out into a hospital, but the baby was coming faster than a Kirk Hammett guitar solo. She started pushing when the band's encore began, and little Luan was born to the sounds of Enter Sandman. Joyce posted her story, and Metallica shared it on Instagram. She says something always happens to her when she goes to a concert, but nothing like this. So, panel, your parents have just confessed to you that you two were born at a concert— what song was playing when you entered the world? Lara Bricker, what do you think? Do we know the song? Can't hear it. It is called G-Love and Special Sauce. Drinking wine, drinking wine all the time. Oh, my baby's, baby's got, got sauce. sauce. Baby's not sweet like mine. Baby got sauce. That's probably what led to my conception. <laughs> I like cool beverages. Toby Ball, what do you think the song was that was playing when you entered the world? I did not look at this before you just said it. Mm. So I'm scrambling. I'm just going to have to go with I am the walrus because it's the only thing I can think of right off the top of my head. (laughs) 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 Cuckoo could chew. (laughs) What do you think, Kevin? Uh, It was uh, Push Push in the Bush. Of course. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Oh, good Lord. (laughs) By music. I am not even going to try to follow that one. So, Laura Bricker, folks want to reach out to you and get your playlist of your favorite G-Love songs. How can they find you on Twitter? They can find me at Lara Bricker. And Toy Ball, folks want to reach out to you and give you a second chance to give us the playlist from when you were born. How can they find you on Twitter? 
at Toby Paul NH. Kevin Flynn, what about you? How can folks find you? I'm at Kevin P. Flynn. And if you want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, you can find me at Reb Lavoy. You can follow the show on Twitter at Crime Writers On, and please join our incredible community in our official Crime Writers On Facebook discussion group. Just go to Facebook, look for Crime Writers On, you'll find our page, hit join the group, answer a couple questions, we will let you in. Support the show at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. You get the Crime Writers On After Show, Married with Podcast, Lara Bricker's Leave it to Bricker Podcast, and Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club Podcasts. Our theme song was composed and performed by Ty Gibbons. Our line editor is the very handsome Olivia Burdett. The executive producer of this program is Kevin Flynn. This show was recorded in a yoga loft above the bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio, otherwise known as Studio C, the closet in our New Hampshire basement where we get all sweaty and hot playing co-ed volleyball. On behalf of all the crime writers, thanks so much for listening. We will catch you later. Meow. Oh, Laura, we can't hear you. She said, hold on a second. Toby looks so Hold on, let me bring my microphone over. I was going to talk to my microphone 10 feet across the room because I can throw my voice. Wait a minute. Stop making fun of me <laughs> while I try to figure out what's going on with my computer. <laughs> oh, okay. Can you hear me now? Yeah, we can hear you now. Okay. Apparently, I was on mute. Hold on. Oh, my God. Is there a button on my microphone <laughs> called mute? How long has that been on there? Apparently a long time. Oh, my gosh. Good heavens. Good gracious. It's like okay. Mr. Hanky the Christmas poo. <laughs> Partners in Crime Media. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.